0: Uh, 16 it says no the Lord is all I need he takes care of me my share in life has been pleasant my part has been beautiful I praise the Lord because he advises me even at night I feel his leading so another way of putting it he is my portion and my cup he is our inheritance and our hope and uh, what a joy that is so let's join in um, singing all praise to it was a bit amusing to me. Um, I don't know if amusing is the right word. I'll, I'll use amusing this morning. Um, but just to watch, you know, uh, kind of through the whole COVID process, kind of what the kind of the hot or the popular items were or, you know, that kind of thing. Like, obviously, early on, it was toilet paper. And I still quite haven't figured that one out. But we saw there was like this huge rush on toilet paper. And then you couldn't find any. And then all the paper towels disappeared right after that as well, too. And, uh, and then to watch, um, you know, different companies try to predict, like, okay, like, what do we need to be prepared for, or what was the next thing? Uh, one of the things I had not realized, uh, but made a lot of sense, is that throughout this whole, whole season, grocery stores have just seen their, their, um, their profits skyrocket because no one's going to restaurants anymore. Now, of course, restaurants took a hit, and gasoline companies took a hit, and hotel and airlines, you know, took a hit, but... Then to watch kind of like what's going to be in in short demand. And I remember uh, them talking about uh, cleaning supplies were probably going to be another one. And then after a while, you know, you just, you know, you go in Walmart and it was, you know, a bit sparse and you couldn't find bleach. Uh, I remember them predicting that um, hair product was going to be another one because all the salons were closed. So people are going to have to start doing their own hair, particularly dyeing their own hair. Uh, So if you needed hair dye, you better get in on on that early. So that was kind of uh, interesting. Um, Recently, apparently, deep freezes. Can't find one anywhere. Now, I don't know if they've caught back up, but if you have a couple lying around that you'd like to sell, now's a good time. Uh, So that that was another kind of interesting one. Hand sanitizer, obviously. Another hot item that's kind of been uh, really spiked in popularity, and it's kind of hard to come by these days... Pre packaged communion cups. Let me tell you, these are a hot item and a hard to come by. Um, I mean, if you just kept yours today and tried to sell it on eBay, I would not fault you. Um, but, uh, you know, we wanted to do communion, but we felt just with COVID, you know, having, you know, the open elements and that kind of thing, probably not the best. And so we acquired the, the pre packaged communion cup and 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 uh, I tried them when they came in and um, they, they taste like a product that does not need to be refrigerated and i'm just gonna Call it at that so we are going to be doing communion later on it will look uh, a little bit different We'll be using these instead uh, just kind of uh, wanting to be aware of that And there I don't know if you can see it, but there is a little wafer on the top and so there's kind of like this thin, thin kind of cellophane. You gotta tear that off first to get the wafer, and then, uh, then the juice. So, so we'll be. I think it's juice. I don't even know the red liquid. Um, but anyways, we're going to be doing communion later on, and and that's what what we'll be working with right there. So, uh, in wanting to uh, to talk about communion today, I do want to give a, a little bit of background on communion, um, and actually it. I guess probably the, the more official title would actually be the Lord's Supper. Communion is, is uh, kind of a title, I think, that, that we have added later on. But I want to give a little bit of background on it. And I know some of you would be familiar with it, but, but there may be some people who are not, or perhaps kids, might not understand the, the background on it. But it, it ties back to something called Passover. Uh, so in the Old Testament, they had a, uh, a yearly feast called Passover. And So where that comes from so the nation of israel at one point in their in their history were slaves in the land of egypt And so god sends moses to free them from egypt from the land of slavery Moses then guides them through the desert for for a time span of one generation And then from there they go into the promised land where everything is supposed to be great and and wonderful and perfect and that kind of thing And we believe the story to be literal and true However, at the same time, it is a remarkable symbolic event foretelling what Christ did for us on the cross. I mean, we are, we are slaves to sin. Jesus frees us from that sin. We wander this earth, this, this desert for one generation, and then we go to heaven with Jesus, and it's the promised land, and everything's great and wonderful. So while we do believe it to be a literal true story, the parallels between Moses and what he was called to do and Jesus and, and what he did are, are remarkable. Um, so Moses is working to free the Israelites from Egypt. Uh, he has multiple encounters with Pharaoh. They're going back and forth. There, there's multiple plagues and disasters that, that befall Egypt, but Pharaoh remains stubborn. And then there's this one last plague. There's this one last disaster. It is by far the worst. God gives fair warning. to to the Israelites, to the land of Egypt. And at midnight, every firstborn in the nation will die. And that goes all the way from Pharaoh's household, all the way down to the lowest slave, and and even into some of the cattle and the livestock. But, but if people will take a perfect lamb, kill it, and they're actually then supposed to, to roast it for a meal later on, but they kill it, And they they take some of that blood and they brush it on the doorposts of the house. Then whoever is in the house will be saved. And this warning was offered to the Egyptians as well, too. I mean, they they had access to the same uh, kind of process, and then their house would be saved as well. This was not exclusive for the Israelites. Doorposts. I want you to remember doorposts. We're going to come back to doorposts. So that night unfolds like God said it would There is weeping there, there is mourning all throughout the land But for those that put the blood on On the doorposts Which I mean probably mostly the Israelites People in those homes Were spared from, from this disaster And that night became known as Passover Because the angel of death Passed over Any home that had the blood on The doorpost. So that's where the name Passover Comes from this event becomes very, very significant uh, in the history of the Israelites. Um, it continues to be, uh, you know, remembered, celebrated, honored, uh, even you know, but to this day, and um, so really big deal. Um, later on in the Old Testament, God is going to give the Israel uh, Israelites seven different feasts uh, that they're, that they're supposed to celebrate throughout the year, and these seven feasts serve as both a Reminder of what happened in the past but also a foretelling of god's kingdom in the future and so um, we actually once did a sermon series on on the seven feasts very fascinating Passover is a key feast amongst those seven so fast forward then to the new testament The israelites have been celebrating passover for probably thousands of years at this point in time So we fast forward to the new testament to the life of christ and jesus is crucified on passover the nation of Israel is celebrating. Some priest is butchering a lamb in the temple. And meanwhile, Christ is dying on the cross, providing deliverance for all of humanity from the bondage of sin and Satan. And so this week has been fun. I've learned some things that, that I didn't know last week about the Lord's Supper, about communion. First, I would tell you that the Lord's Supper is uh, recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, but not John. I don't know why. John is just kind of often doing his, his own thing. He kind of has his own rhythm and, and layout that, that he, he's working with. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tend to be organized chronologically. Just this event, then this event, and then this event. Whereas uh, John tends to be organized thematically. And so he, he's very intentionally kind of clustering uh, the life of Jesus around different themes. Um, uh, Paul also talks about the Lord's Supper in his letter to the Corinthians. But that's mainly just because they were doing it wrong and just they needed a lot of correction in in their life The first thing that that I would point out or to remember uh, For the lord's supper and and when this happened with jesus and his apostles is that jerusalem would have been packed Absolutely packed mayhem of the seven feasts. uh, I think there's three of them That are a pilgrimage feast meaning everyone is supposed to come to jerusalem to celebrate this So if you have a guest room in your house, there are about nine relatives on the waiting list wanting to get into that guest room, right? So the place is just wall-to-wall people, which is probably why we have recorded miracles around even just being able to find a place to do the Passover. So in Luke 22, 7, uh, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, where would you have us prepare it? I think that's a much bigger question than we realize. He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. Tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room furnished. Prepare it there. They went, found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. I think the reason that we get that story is just that that is a miracle. I mean, not only is it a miracle in how they found the room, just kind of following the guy with the water jar, but it's just a miracle that they found a room at all. So kind of a, kind of a, a big deal there. Matthew 26 has a very uh, concise um, uh, story of the Passover, and I'll be using that as, as my reference Matthew 26, here's the first thing I would point out, just starting in verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take it, or take, eat, this is my body. So the very first theme that we see in the Lord's Supper is that there's this recognition of the death of Christ on the cross. That's the first thing that that Jesus kind of incorporates in it. So a large part of the Passover is simply looking to the past, for us looking to the past, looking back, and remember that Christ willingly died on the the cross for our sin. I mean, our sin demands justice, and so it's either our life or someone else's, and so Jesus dies in our place. And so that's the very first part of communion, of the Lord's Supper, is looking back, His sacrificial death on the cross, His broken body. But then, Jesus really kind of shifts, sort of, I mean, they're connected, but he then kind of shifts to a new topic. Matthew 26, again, verse 27, 28, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he's, he's kind of stacking these, these themes, but Jesus now refers to a new covenant, The Old Covenant, you know, God established that with the Israelites and and they had these strict obedience to the Mosaic laws. And, and, you know, basically they just had to do a whole lot of animal sacrifices all the time for their sins. Lots and lots of sacrifices. That's the Old Covenant. But the New Covenant says that anyone, and, and that was revolutionary, anyone... Regardless of your race or your ethnicity or your gender, or your past, or whatever, anyone can receive full and complete forgiveness of sins. If they believe that Jesus Christ raised them uh, from the dead and admit that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's kind of a, a ridiculous, false teaching that that's been going around that you know our forgiveness of sins did not require the, the death of Christ on the cross, and that if God wants to forgive you, He can just say I forgive you, and it doesn't require death on the cross, and. The whole reason Jesus died was just he just wanted to make a public statement to political authorities and religious authorities that love wins and, and that it wasn't really required. That whole idea, though, is nonsense nonsense, and it's directly refuted right here by the words of Jesus. He says, this is the blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Our sins require payment. Door posts. Remember the doorposts? Why doorposts? Like, why not like, I mean, was that just convenient? Like, why not just like above the fireplace or, you know, like somewhere else in the house or on the, get, like, or the threshold? Like, why doorposts? Exodus twelve seven. they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the house in which they eat it. Verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood... I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Later on, Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 11, God instructs the Israelites to take his word, and they are to tie them or bind them to their hands and to their forehead and to write them on the doorposts of the house and on the gates. Now, some people take that literally. I mean, there are Jews today that walk around, and they got like a headband thing, and it like there's a little... Container That physically has some of, you know, some scripture in there And, you know, like there's bracelets as well, too I mean, they're just going to very literal You want me to wear it on my forehead? I wear it on my forehead I think it's symbolic I think God is saying, I want your scriptures to be in your mind I want it to be saturated in your mind I want it to, to influence your hands Your actions Your behaviors And I want it on the doorposts. In other places of Scripture, the door is a metaphor for the heart, and I think God is saying, "I want into Scripture on your heart as well too, your mind, your hands, and your heart." When Israel, when God tells Israel to physically put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the doorpost so as to avoid death, death I think what He is, and then later on He tells them to put the word of God on the doorposts. He is simply foretelling. How salvation works I I, I do want to quickly de- Define heart um, Just because in, in, in our Today's society I think we have a little bit of confusion About that in our era heart Really has I, I would offer almost Kind of more of a feminine understanding just In that we will far off more often Hear women uh, talk about heart Than we will talk about Men talk about their heart and it, and heart in in our context is often used to describe the seat of emotions or the center of our emotions But scripture when scripture uses heart really it's talking more about the seat of authority The, the place of authority and so if we're having a conversation and it's like well have you invited jesus into your heart? We're not primarily asking have you invited jesus into the seat of your emotions Yes, that is true, but really what we're asking is, have you invited Jesus into the central place of authority in your life? So all that to say, if your heart, the doorpost, the door, is marked by the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ, who's also described as the perfect sacrificial lamb, if that's the case, then you will be saved. And that is why Israel marked the doorposts because it's a foretelling of the new covenant and how salvation would work. when When we understand Jesus as the lens of understanding the Old Testament, it we yeah the understanding and the clarity is is fantastic. So in the Lord's Supper, we see the death and the crucifixion of Jesus. That's the breaking of be- bread, and we look back on this past event. And then we also Jesus mentions as the new covenant, which is our opportunity. To be saved by Jesus, which is very much a present reality for us. But then Jesus goes on to talk about the future, and and in the in this last verse of kind of the section, Mark, or, I'm sorry, Matthew twenty six verse twenty nine, he says, I, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new, with you in my Father's kingdom." Scripture and other places talk about a wedding feast of the Lamb, right? So at some point in the future, Jesus returns, and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and, and sin is no more, and people who say yes to Jesus get to live with Jesus for the rest of eternity, and somewhere kind of early on in that process, there's going to be this feast, there, there's going to be this celebration, this, this party to end all parties, and, and I think that is, is what Jesus is referring to, that he will not part, partake again until, until that moment. So when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remember Christ on the cross, the broken bread, the broken body. We celebrate, we give thanks for salvation, the the new covenant, the blood that is poured out for the new covenant. But we also proclaim a future. We proclaim a future where Jesus comes again and all the pain and all the sorrows and all the tears will cease and we are with Jesus forever. So there's a lot... A lot that, that is tied up in the simple act we do. I mean, it, it's simple, but it's loaded with meaning. And it's not, it's not meant to be complex. It is not meant to be burdensome. It's not, it, but it is supposed to be easy. I remember my dad once told me this story. He was, uh, I think they were doing lunch or breakfast somewhere, and, and he was with several other pastors. And one of the pastors just kind of held up his, his cup of coffee. And they all kind of held it up together And they took a sip And then he he raised up a cracker And broke it They all raised up a cracker And took a little bite And I don't know that any words were exchanged I don't know if anyone knew what was going on But those pastors together in a very Discreet fashion celebrated communion Together in that restaurant You know in March Of 2008 Joanna and I got married And And like, that's a big deal, right? And and it's spent like, and leading up to it, you know? I mean, when you think about the dating and the courtship and and the romance and the the dates and and the talking, and then comes the proposal, right? And then comes the wedding planning and finding the venue and arranging a meal and guest list and who gets invited and who sits where and who should sit next to who and, and, then, and the musicians and the vows and, and the legal documents, and you know and there's a honeymoon and travel, and if it's international, there's passports and name changes. Now I just kind of give her a kiss, say, "I love you." But loaded in that kiss, and in those three words is all our history. All the romance, all the courtship, all the wedding planning. That kiss speaks of everything that today holds Kids, work, school, see you at lunch I have some errands to run Don't forget about those Don't forget about this Have a good day That kiss speaks to our future Watching the kids grow up And eventually move out And retirement And commitment to the end And growing old together It's just a kiss But it is loaded With history current realities with future promises it like it's a cheap plastic cup with a nasty wafer and I don't even know if that's juice and yet it is loaded with history with current realities and with future promises there is there's a gluten-free, melt-in-your-mouth disc of something in there that reminds us that Jesus was brutally killed on the cross and that his body was broken for us. There's, there, there's some kind of, of, of grape juice or juice in here that, that symbolizes that anyone, anyone can find forgiveness and freedom and family and future if they will but accept the new covenant, the the, the God's salvation and be forgiven for their sins once and for all. And really, even a plastic cup that reminds us that someday, someday we will share a cup with Christ in heaven. It's not much, but it is loaded with history, present realities, and future promises. I'm going to ask the, the care team to come forward. I'll ask the musicians to come forward. We're going, like I said, this is a little bit different. We will just pass this out once, uh, and you'll kind of get everything together, and, and I'll invite you in, in taking through this and uh, doing this. What this make, <laughs> um, When you get this, you know, there, there's kind of the big tab. If you just tear off the big tab, that, that gets you into the juice. I really had to fool around with it a lot. There's a really, there's a very kind of thin, plastic wrapper you got to find and get on the top to, to get down at the wafer. Wafer. You guys can come forward, and um, I'm going to pray here in, in just a minute. If Jesus is not your your savior, uh, then this is not yet for you. Uh, you're not quite ready. This is for those who call Jesus Christ Lord, for those that recognize that Jesus came and died and ushered into a new covenant. For those who receive the covenant and for those that believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and have audibly proclaimed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Parents, uh, your kids, it's your call on on how you want to do this. I mean, we have an open communion table, meaning that um, for any Christian who, who has said Jesus is Lord is welcome to do it. But you understand your kids and salvation, age of salvation, you can make that decision uh, uh, some uh, men and I, brethren in past Have, have used uh, baptism as kind of the marker For when they're old enough to take communion And you, if that's helpful for you You can do that as, as well too But if Jesus is your Lord Then spiritually you are my brother You are my sister And I invite you to partake this with me Let me pray And then we will we'll pass these out Heavenly Father we thank you For this oh so simple act that that you have given to us. A little bit of bread, a little bit of juice. Yet, Lord, we recognize that it is loaded. Loaded with history, with, with, with offers of freedom for today, and promises of a future. We will share a cup with you. Lord, today as we gather to remember to celebrate the Lord's Supper to celebrate in communion to to do this in community we say thank you for the history that your body was broken we say thank you for the new covenant established by your blood being poured out thank you for the future promises we love you Jesus in your name, Amen